Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it is time to bring the orange yet again. Another great episode today. Uh, our guest is Melody Zacharias, our Microsoft Solutions Manager. Melody, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on, actually. You've, uh, you've just recently joined Pure about, uh, about a month, and it was been a month and a half, six weeks, something like that? Yeah, not long at all. No, definitely not long at all, and, and, and maybe, maybe cruel for me to put you on the program so early, but you, you, you have such a really cool background in, uh, as a data engineer, as a database administrator, and in and around Microsoft technologies. I was just anxious to get you on, but um, what's your background? Uh, take, take us through what, what you've worked on before coming to Pure. Well, if we go all the way back to school, um, I took my first data class in um, something called like DB4. And it was then that I realized that data was gonna be my life. I just absolutely loved it. And when I got out of school, I did some you know, early programming at Boeing, which was an amazing experience. They, they worked with some bizarre languages um, at the machine working level. Um, and, and that was fascinating. But I really did miss the data aspects of it. So while I was sort of learning the ropes and getting my career underway, I did a fair amount of programming and then made it my life's mission to focus on data and originally worked in um, like our hydro for British Columbia because I am from Canada. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Did um, some DB, um, DB2 work and then did a lot of different databases in consulting and then specialized in Microsoft in about 2010 as a, as a SQL Server DBA. I had worked with SQL Server on and off before that in the earlier versions, but never really focused just on Microsoft. But that was really when SQL Server became a huge marketable product for Microsoft. What um, I'm curious about what light switch went on or light bulb, I should say, I guess, um, when you were in school? Like, what was it about data that you realized, like, this is going to be my life's mission, like, this is what I'm passionate about and interested in? How, how does that happen? It was kind of interesting. It was, it was almost as though you, you learn about something, and I realized that it was just part of my being, that uh -huh. the way databases worked was how my brain worked. So it was so easy and obvious that, that I just fell in love with it and I couldn't get away from it. Interesting. Well, I guess, I mean, we all have that in us, right? Which is, you know, something that's a passion, whether it's overt or not. And, and at some point in your life, it just comes out and you're like, this is, you know, what I want to do. And you've, you've spent, you know, the better part of a couple decades longer, um, you know, <laughs> making it your passion. So I guess that was a good realization, right? Yeah, I've had a lot of friends of mine say how jealous they are of, of that aspect. You know, mm. my husband still says, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, to have that passion in life at such an early age, he, he was quite jealous. Yeah, I still want to be a baseball player, but I think as I near 50, that that's really probably not going to happen. Uh, it's not... <laughs> Not uh, yeah. that that ship is probably long, long ago sailed. Well, uh, congrats. I think you're the second Canadian we've we've had on the program because I think we had uh, Mr. Sean Rosemarin, who who is a proud, uh, proud Canadian. So so great to have you on there. We'll try to keep you from saying about and 
out and things like that as, as much as possible. But um, I want to get back to, to the data part. You know, we're calling this episode into the mind of a data engineer because we're talking to you. But there's a lot of terms out there, and, and perhaps this was simpler years ago because it was just, you know, it was about databases, but with the rise of, of modern analytics and modern applications, you've got data scientists, you've got data analysts, uh, you've got the, the traditional database admin role. Do, do these things matter? I mean, ultimately, is, is this, they're all in and around taking data, managing it, and doing something with it, and learning from it. Is that really what it's about, or is, am I missing something? Well, if you take it at a really, really high level, you're absolutely right. But when it gets difficult and nuanced is when there's so much to do with data these days that no one professional or job title or role can cover it all. Hmm. So we're really looking at data from on-prem and applications all the way up to everything in the cloud and all of the things that attach onto that. So it's, almost like a chemistry set, right? And you have all of these different elements and they all have to have a different role to play. And that's where those different roles come in, I think. Um, and even in the application world, when, when you talk about those applications, even your, your business analyst these days has the opportunity within Power BI, say, to do extensive, amazing things with data. And it just expands that whole concept of data. I mean, they, they talk about data being the oil of our generation. Right. And, and that's absolutely true. So there has to be all sorts of different ways of working with it and, and growing those opportunities. So how has is, how is the explosion then of available data kind of changed some of the traditional um, concepts of what these roles, you know, my, my impression is for, you know, the, if, if we looked at what you were maybe doing as, as a DBA 10 or 15 years ago to what they're doing now, that there's some vastly different things that are going on. It's absolutely incredible. And it's almost to the point where each of those roles, like even that, that DBA role has nuanced specialties within it. Hmm. So the, if we want to sort of expand that DBA role to not just looking after the data where it is, it's now in all of these different locations. So you have to be able to coordinate with the different persona roles, like the, the DBA has to communicate with the business analyst who's using that data and the data scientist in where they have that data, how to protect it, what to do with it, and how to access it. So I think tra that traditional role of a DBA is not just doing backups um, anymore or making sure there's enough room for the volume of data, but it's also how do different people and personas access that to help the business get what they need. So I think that goes into our big data cluster um, that Microsoft has announced. That, mm -hmm. that really shows how that volume, and Microsoft is doing things all the time to try and make it easier for people to have a single pane of glass to do all of that work. And they're trying to make it easier for the DBA um, to facilitate that for people. Yeah, it's, it's kind of about breaking down those traditional silos that, that have you know, been built up. I think they've always kind of existed to some degree, but you know, when, when you have you know, rapid exponential growth of something, those things are only you know, sort of natural, which, which I think is a good thing, right? Because you know, I read some articles about the traditional DBA role you know, five or six years ago, and, and 
with the increase in the amount of automation around certain certain database tasks, there was almost one you know one side of the house that was kind of like you know we're we're going to have a diminishing need for for DBAs. But what actually has happened, I think, is the opposite, which is there's all these other new you know strategic value add other 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 functions as well as what you said the vendors like microsoft are are putting more functionality in so that there is more utility out of the roles and actually the, the dbas are even becoming more important true or or not necessarily oh absolutely it's okay. it's almost to the point where there's so many things that the dba needs to do that it, without all of this add-on automation and help from vendors there's no way that they would be able to get a fraction of what they need to get done. Plus do regular automation and innovation and DBAs are being asked to do more innovation or data engineers are being asked to do more innovation all the time. Hmm. So what, then what's holding them back, right? So we've got, we've got enterprises that are engaging in, you know, the, the, the far too often used term digital transformation, but let's go a step further and go, you know, they're looking to move into as a service. They're looking to move into sort of subscription based or, or user based kind of economy models. And furthermore, you've got this whole, you know, containers thing that's, you know, I just did a pod with, with one of our solution architects on containers last week, and it was fascinating, but it's all just kind of come out of nowhere quickly. Um, what is holding back DBAs with these new technologies coming back? Is it, you know, is there a knowledge skills gap? Is, is that where they're running into issues or is it something else? I think it's a variety of things. It's sometimes it's interest. Um, but yeah, the skills gap is a huge thing. There's so many new things so quickly that it's really hard for DBAs to keep up. Um, usually what I recommend people uh, do when I'm mentoring them is to find what their passion is and, and sort of specialize in that. There's, there's a lot of people who still are, need different skill sets, whether that's understanding what I would call full stack. So understanding DBAs, understanding more at the hardware level of, of pieces, or if they're more interested in, you know, those big data. So if you're interested in big data, maybe you want to learn more about um, containers and um, uh, big data um, terminology, uh, notebooks, and, and things like that that go along with that. And choose what you, what you are passionate about and what is easy, that, easy for you to learn because you love it. Mm -hmm. Because it's, Typically, it's overwhelming for them. So most of the DBAs I talk to find that they don't know what to do with their career because they're just completely overwhelmed with the options. It's mm -hmm. almost like too, too much information sort of freezes us in our tracks and we can't make a decision. Yeah, there's kind of a biting off more than you can chew kind of thing. So, so pick, pick a morsel-sized bite and go for that. And, and invest in that, um, in that sort of knowledge area. Interesting. Um, good, good advice. Um, so let's shift to, to Microsoft since that's what you, you work closely with right now. And that's, that's also an interesting use case, right? Cause you know, we, we all mostly know Microsoft and go back, you know, years and years with various technologies, but it was all very heavily driven around, you know, licensing and pushing out things that, that were run, you know, on-prem, in the home, you know, in the office. And when everything started shifting to this kind of as-a-service model, there really was a need for them to do a pivot or get lost behind. And I think, I think that's pretty much successfully 
you know, happened with, with a lot of the developments. Although there was a time when I, when I think some of us weren't sure that they were going to be able to pivot, right? Absolutely. Um, Satya has really made that change for them and um, really taken them into the next era of Microsoft. I don't think anybody looks back and, and regrets that decision for sure. I mean, he's completely changed the company around from an on-premise to a, a cloud company and a um, forced service company. Um, to the point where they've ex they've exceeded their on-premise um, revenue just recently. So gone to a trillion dollar company and exceeded their revenue um, in cloud over on-prem um, just in the last two quarters. So I don't think there's any regrets there or concern that that was ever a good decision. But I, I think that, and it's not that Microsoft is keeping that information to themselves. They're telling all of their partners that that's the shift that you need to make and that's the future. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then we're trying to stay on top of that here, you know, at Pure. Um, when you look across what they're doing technologically, and I guess this is probably more in on the SQL Server side for databases and, and certainly with, with what's being developed in Azure, what, what are the things that you're seeing, you know, top two or three, maybe not a giant laundry list, what are the top two or three things that get you most excited um, that, that they're doing that, that sort of spark that data engineer inside of you? Well, um, you mean from a pure point of view? Or from a you point of view, you know, just take yourself, extract yourself from the pure part for a moment and just say, you know, I, I'm, I'm a passionate data, data engineer, database administrator. These things they're doing are really cool. Well, one of the things I like in terms of um, a data engineer is how they are starting to get things into a single pane of glass mm. to make things easier. But not only that, they've... Um, one of the things that I have this, I have a long-term um, commitment to yoga and I've been training as a yoga teacher. And one of the things that was taught to me early on in that training was meet people where they're at. Huh. And I love that aspect of it. And it comes back to my business life regularly. And that's what I love about what Microsoft has recently shifted to do is they've realized that as much as they've tried to push this cloud first initiative, they've realized that only about 10% of companies can be truly cloud first, or they are right now, um, as much as we like to be. But what they're realizing is you have to meet people where they're at. And where they're at right now is truly more of a hybrid, how do I get to the cloud and how do I make this transition? So helping customers where they are right now is what really excites me because it just sort of feeds into my being and who I am. And I love that about what Microsoft is doing and how um, we as Pure are then working on that um, cloud block store avenue, because that basically gives us that cloud to home and office in between story of meeting people where they're at and making their life simple both at the same time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that was something that we we pushed out in beta last year at, at Microsoft Ignite and continue to work on in this uh, in this calendar year, which is which is really cool and really exciting. Right. That, you know, that that global management plane that is possible where you do make the connection, you know, as you said, with with, you know, cloud and office and 
and home. And um, at the same time, you know, there's some things as you've come on board that you've discovered we've been doing too around, you know, integrations that are single pane of glassy, right? Some of the SQL Server management, studio integrations, Windows Admin Center uh, integrations. What, what's your thought on those and since you're, you're new and have a fresh perspective? Well, particularly um, from my point of view, but coming from that data background, that um, management studio integration is huge. Yeah. Every, every DBA works in management studio and to have to change applications to refresh a snapshot or to do a backup is often just one extra step. Not that it's overly difficult necessarily, but it's always just that one extra thing that you have on your plate that day that sort of diminishes from your job satisfaction. So the fact that we can make things easier for our clients and our customers is is just phenomenal. And, and DBAs absolutely love Management Studio. It's It's what we use all the time and everybody's familiar with it. So to have that sort of comfort of familiarity and ease of use is just spectacular. Yeah, I love, um, you know, Barks, our, our solution architect lead around Microsoft and other apps calls that swivel chair, right? Swivel chair administration that we're minimizing the swivel chair where you kind of have to spin back and forth between different things. And as you say, it's not taxing, it's just time consuming. And if you don't have to do it, why not? Um, Eliminate it. Um, you mentioned this earlier in the pod on big data clusters and, and some of the work that um, Chris Adkin, our, our UK, UK based solution architect, has been doing really closely with Microsoft, actually. Um, can you talk about that for a little bit? I think that's a really interesting area and, you know, kind of opens up some things in the container space and also is an interesting play for, you know, sort of the, uh, the big data space, which links really nicely with, with what we do with Flashblade. Yeah, that um, that entire story uh, started a couple of years ago with Microsoft, and I've been watching them roll out big data clusters over a number of years because um, of my MVP status. So I've, I saw it long before it became public knowledge, and it's it's an interesting story where they realized how important big data was to not just data scientists, but to everyone. And to make that data available, you have to have a place to put it. It's not, it's data that doesn't necessarily sit in a traditional way on a, like something like a flash blade. It fits much better on something, or sorry, a flash array. It fits much better on, on something like the flash blade. Yeah. And it allows you to have both of those together in almost a single unit of ability to access. So it takes away or it abstracts somewhat a layer. The big data cluster will abstract the layer of where the data sits and how you access it by allowing less technical people access to that data. So it really opens up an entire world. And for data professionals, it gives them the opportunity to work with clusters and um, pods and containers in that realm of technical ability to geek out. So that's sort of that value add that we love to do because as data professionals, we love to learn new things. Oh yeah. So it kind of, it's a, like an amazing blooming flower for a business to keep all of their employees happy, give them access to more data, allow them to do more things all wrapped up in one unit. Super exciting. Yeah, it's been fun to follow the progress around that. And we will actually 
be, um, you know, if you're listening to this before Pure Accelerate uh, Digital 2020, or even after, because all the content's going to be there online for you to consume after, there's going to be a great session with, with Chris, Chris Adkin and uh, Buck Woody from Microsoft talking about um, the, the integrations work we're doing for, for big data clusters and a little bit about what Microsoft's doing on that side of the house. So definitely go check that out if that's a space that you are uh, interested in. Um, Melly, this was a blast. I loved having you on. I hope you had fun too. Yeah, it was a little nerve wracking, but it was fun. Thank you. <laughs> survived. You survived. You made it. Well, we'll let you. We'll let you certainly recover. Um, really love getting your perspectives, and uh, it's always a treat with with somebody who's walked the walk and and lived it um, to hear. And I'm, I'm hoping the the listeners got some some good perspectives and input from you as well, as well as an update on what what's going on with Microsoft and what we're doing for solutions here at Pure Storage. Uh, if you want more information on what we're doing in the Microsoft Solutions space, go to www.purestorage.com slash Microsoft. And there you'll see all the information around the integrations that we described and what we do for SQL Server. Uh, if you have some data challenges in that space, we'd love to have a conversation uh, with you. And uh, we'll definitely plug Pure Accelerate Digital 2020 on June 10th. You will get some uh, live keynotes and an interesting special guest that I can't mention now. And then uh, over 30 uh, sessions across five different tracks, everything that we do well here at Pure. So definitely check that out uh, on that date or after the date uh, if you want to. Uh, and again, thanks everybody for listening, for telling a colleague, keep the suggestions coming and we will keep rolling out great guests like Melody to you as part of the Pure Report. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and Rob, I'm sorry, for Pure Storage and Melody Zacharias. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you.